Today's scripture reading is from Luke 10, 29 through 37. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we are in week three of our series, Interrogating Jesus, and um, today is a, a second parter question of the first parter question last week. Uh, kind of setting the stage, I used T.S. Eliot for our other series, but for setting the stage for these questions, uh, I, we get from Anne Rice, and if you weren't here before, Anne Rice, um, she had some sort of an adult conversion event. Um, she wrote a lot of well, still does a lot of vampire novels. And, and after her conversion <laughs> event, uh, she, she uh, wrote this. Uh, this is in one of also her subsequent vampire novels, as the case may be. But here it is. Fear, f- very few beings really seek knowledge in this world. Uh, few really ask. Uh, on the contrary, they try to wring from the unknown the answers they have already shaped in their own minds, justifications, confirmations, forms of consolation without which they can't go on. To really ask is to open the door to the whirlwind. And I said previously is to ask a real question is really to go wherever it takes you. Uh, let, me, let me pull you into a sixth grade nightmare of mine. Uh, I, 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 I sent a note to Lisa Sanchez across, across the classroom. And I was not educated in the ways of love, coming from a very protected household. But I I thought that this would get results. Do you like me? Check yes or no. And and so Lisa, uh, and that, that was a real earnest question, inviting the whirlwind. And uh, Lisa wrote back and she said, no, I like Troy, but you are nice. And I, I went home and I cried in sixth grade. Oh, uh, but 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 that question invited the whirlwind. All right, put yourself out there. You're going to invite the whirlwind. And what we see with these questions with Jesus is that they invite answers that we might not have been expecting. Okay, so today's question is, who is my neighbor? And this question also invites the whirlwind. It really does. 
So it's connected to last week, and the last, last week's question was this, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so if you remember what Jesus said, he said this to a professional scripture reader, okay? He said this to him. He said, um, what does it say? Then he threw it back to the guy, and he said, okay, you tell me, what does it say in the Hebrew scriptures? You tell me what you found there. What's your hot take? And so the guy comes back, and he says this, um, lo- love God and do it with all your heart, do it with all your mind, and do it with all your soul, and do it with all your strength. That's it. Do that. You're golden. If you do that, you're good. You're, you're in. You have the inheritance. You're hooked up with God. Okay. What we didn't really touch on last week is the second part that he said, oh yes, and P.S., this is also part of the law, Love your neighbor as you would yourself. So love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and then also love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Um, All right, Um, what day is National Treat Yourself Day? Does anybody know this date? This is from Parks and Rec. All right, you see Tom Haverford and Donna, what? Meagle? Donna Meagle, all right, all right. And they've created this artificial holiday called Treat Yourself Day. It's October 13th, if you're wondering, okay? My son, whose birthday is October 14th, is thinking, oh, that's a, that's a double day combo there. And, and this is what Treat Yourself Day is. Um, Donna and Tom, uh, they go get manapetis together, and they drink the finest wine together, and they go shopping, and they buy what they love. They're called, um, what's the term? Um, amenities. Great little amenities for the apartment. Great little amenities for the house. It's, it's like, buy the best stuff for yourself. It's all about you day. Treat yourself day. Everyone's like, oh, busily putting that in iCal. Or, it's not, no longer called iCal, is it? All right. I'm an Android user. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we have an, one Android user was bold enough to admit it. We have two Android users. Uh, and this is the important part of that, is it's like, oh, all you have to do is treat your neighbor like you would yourself on this day. Um, and not occasionally, but just do it all the time. So when Jesus said this, um, I, I said this last week, is he really didn't say, hey, now this is really important and you can't do it. He just said it and he just dropped it out there. And I read it and I was terrified because nobody lives up to this except, except the scripture guy um, must have thought, yeah, I think I'm pretty much there. I'm pretty much there. And except maybe, maybe there's one little aspect of it and I just need a definition of terms. That's it. I'm thinking that I'm probably knocking everything out, which is just laughable, by the way. But I'm thinking I'm knocking it out of the park. Me and God are good. I just need to know definition of terms. I want to make sure that we're on the same page with that neighbor deal, that neighbor term. And so... Um, the guy who reads the scripture, the professional scripture reader, 
is actually very, very similar to us. How we read scripture and how we live our lives. Because what he really wants is the definition of neighbor that I've, I, I kind of have on default, and that is this. Um, it's an easygoing, how people live definition. Um, there is, look, there's, there's, I have a crew of neighbors around me, and then there's a lot of people on the outside. And I'm not, I don't hate them necessarily. They're, they're just not my neighbors. Um, it, it's interesting is when uh, our, our mother church, Pacific Crossroads, when we were planting eight years ago, with, or, or even before that, when we came out for a trip, they had us meet with uh, three different groups. One was Manhattan Beach, one was in Calabasas, and one was folks from the Pasadena area. And so one of the things that God used was my superficial definition of neighbor. That is this, is Melissa and I came back from that trip and we thought this, man, the folks from Pasadena, we had a natural affinity with. Do you remember, uh, the Kitas, we met with you that first night when Jose was there, that was a beautiful evening, we're like, we really like the Kita family. Um, We had met with, uh, Vicky, you were pregnant with, um, Emmy, do you remember this? This was a while ago. It was the first, and we were like, we really like Gabe and Vicky. Not that we didn't, we didn't like the Calabasas people or the South Bay people. We were just like, these are great folks. We could see ourselves being around these folks. Um, that, is, that is how I conceive of neighbor is associations of common affinity. Because if you, if you conceive of neighbors as common associations of affinity then you are allowed to have people that you really don't care for. Do you see that? And so it's a pretty superficial definition. So Jesus tells this story to illustrate what he had previously said, like all you have to do is love God and love your neighbor. So he's gonna describe that and he's also gonna define who a true neighbor is for the question. Okay, here it is. There is an absolute brilliance to this story, this this parable that Jesus tells, that did not dawn on me until my mid-40s. I'm 49. Okay? I have heard this parable umpteen times. I grew up in Christianity. I have heard, I have heard this, you know what, I would venture to guess, if you grew up inside of Christianity, you could actually stand up here unprepped and tell us some general facts about the Good Samaritan story. Background, importance of, right, the road that Jesus was walking out. Does anybody, can anybody, we'll just, we'll crowdsource it. How bad was the road outside of Jericho? Because just do it from your experience of hearing these sermons. It was a dangerous, bad road. Great. We got it. All of us. We can crowd. It was, right? Bad road. Um, it was really costly. How much is two denarii? Let's see if we can crowdsource it. About how much? What, what? Louder? Yeah, one month. You're right. One month salary. Look, we're, we're doing this. We have heard this story before. All right? Um, oh, oh, I know, I know, I know. Um, can you tell me if the Samaritans and the Israelites got along. Oh, okay, so I don't have to do that part, do I? 
No, I have heard this story, you have heard this story so many times. Um, I've heard it, yeah, we just heard it, okay. I colored the pictures, you colored the pictures. Um, except me and Artie Fleischman got in trouble. Artie Fleischman and I, when we were coloring the Good Samaritan pictures, um, we were hyper graphic with the red crayon. In fact, we had all of these entrails coming out of the guy on the side of the road, and we got, we got in trouble. We really kind of just should have had bruises. Purple, you know. Um, I have seen the color where Jesus is telling this story, and he's very placid, very calm, all togged out, of course. He's got the Chuck Norris beard, prerequisite Chuck Norris beard. Um, you guys have heard this story. And then what, what came, and this is what came, and I have heard just all the information. You have heard all the information. The application was, ah, here's the application. Be nice to all of the humans, even mean people, right? And you were like, yeah. Um, stop your life and be inconvenienced. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, go above and beyond, people. We really do need to be generous to, the, to people all who are so mean because they're humans and stuff, okay? Um, go give back to your community, you wonderful neighbor, you just please, would you give it a try this next week, all of us? All of us, can we give it a try? Spread kindness wherever you may go. Let us pray. You have heard this. If anyone said, who are you in this story? Like, find yourself. Okay, maybe the Pharisee, because the Pharisee walks by and the leave. Yeah, there's been times when I knew I probably should help, but like, would you blame me? So sometimes some of us are like, yeah, there have been times when I've been the Pharisee. I, I knew I probably, I felt, I did feel guilty. Like when I came out of the yogurt shop, he, the homeless guy was there and I, I, I did maybe have a buck, but I didn't. And I was just like, I don't know. I should have. Um, but most often, and this is where every, almost every teacher I heard growing up they wanted you to identify with the good Samaritan. Aspirationally, of course. Like, like, yeah, you're not there, but you totally have a good Samaritan somewhere in there. I know you do. I just know it. I know it. Find your inner winner, would you? And it's a good Samaritan. I just think you have it but we're gonna buckle down this next week and we're gonna give it the old college try. Okay, would you try that? This is the genius of Jesus' story. We totally should be the Good Samaritan but we are not. We are not the Samaritan in the story. 
Just do this, love God, love your neighbor, ta-da, you're good. The point is that, who does this? Who gives up their Tesla, their Audi, their Mercedes, their Beamer, their Honda, or just their e-bike? Who gives that up and says, okay, I'm gonna take you to the Pasadena Hilton. I'm gonna throw down some plastic, all right? Here, you take my paychecks for the next two weeks, and, 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 you know how you get um, caught in entangling problems when you do this kind deed of helping someone out? It always leads to something else, and then it branches out, and you're like, oh, they wanted this, and oh, now there's another problem, and, and you're like, Ugh. Well, no, 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 now you're on the hook, not just for the two months, but now you're on the hook for this relationship with you have with this person, and they are going to drain you. They're going to be like, well, could you, I need a little bit more. I need a look. They're going to drain you. Who does this? Not one of us. Not one of us does this. I do not do this. And if you were to be like, okay, I'm going to find one project person and I'm going to really do it to one person, it's not the standard. The standard is every single person person you come into contact with, 365. You are not the Samaritan. I am not the Samaritan. You will never be the Samaritan. I will never be the Samaritan until I'm dead. So this is the genius of that. Now, I will do that. I will, I will aspirationally try to do that for my pals and my chums and my association of affinities. But I will not do this for my, the opposite political party person who just mocks your most treasured opinions. Would you do it for them? No, we're not Samaritans. You'll never be a Samaritan. You'll never be it. This is the genius. This is the genius. Who does that? Nobody. <laughs> this is Jesus' point. It, it's genius. No one will ever be the Samaritan. There is only one ultimate good neighbor, and it is God himself. What? Wait, 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 wait. Where do you find yourself in this story? And this is the genius, because we're like, I want to be the good Samaritan. I totally want to be, I want to be, I want to try, I want to try, I want to try. And it flips in the story. And who are you in the story suddenly? You are the bruised up, broken, failing. I do not have the resources it takes to fix, 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 fix me, the not good Samaritan. Do you see that? How Jesus flips and you're like, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be incredible if I was the guy that, that, that was broken and could not Fix self. Wouldn't it be great if the ultimate neighbor came back and said, here you go. What? This invites the whirlwind. And let me, let me just be gentle and huge. This is a whirlwind of grace. Whoa. God is, Jesus is saying, I am like this to you. I'm like this to you. 
I'm the best neighbor. So the question, who is my neighbor, Jesus, becomes, I am your neighbor. And it is only through me that you will ever, ever, ever even begin to attempt and have the power to start even acting like the ultimate neighbor. Do you see that? You, could, you have to be the person in the ditch before you can ever, ever conceive of what if I began to live the life of restoration like the Good Samaritan? Now that's a whirlwind, isn't it? Let's pray into that. Jesus, um, this parable, I, no, let me, Jesus, I confess this to you. This parable had become absolutely trivial information to me until I saw that you and you alone are the ultimate good neighbor. It took grace for me to be knocked away by this parable. I confess that. Would you meet again with us? Would you meet again with us? Would you bind us up and, and give us your, your luxurious generosity all over again? Would we taste it again? Our hearts want to do more, but we can't do, do more until we receive. So allow us to receive again. Please. Please. It's in your name we pray. Amen.